What's up everyone, this is Albert from IAV Studio, an art and entertainment analysis and discussion show on YouTube, and you are listening to literally the greatest Hellboy show ever assembled for audio or video, Hellboy Book Club Podcast. Enjoy! Reading Hellboy comics and talking to our friends. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. Oh, I like that. That was very Switch sophisticated. Switch it up a little. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Albert from IAV Studio, for sending us some audio clips and an intro. Yeah. Yes, thank you. You have a very soothing voice. Yeah. Oh, man, I would definitely. listen to that for a while. It's very soothing. Yeah, we'll check out the IAV Studio podcast. And be sure to send us your fan intros. It's great to hear from all of you. He sent us a very nice email. And he said, here you go, you damn excellent and kindred and insanely hardworking and dedicated and invaluable to the fandom and enriching educational entertaining guys. Jeez. Wow. (laughs) With with literally daily appreciation for all three of you being who you are and doing what you do. And he named all three of us and he kind of did this like really nice description of all of us. Um, I thought these were really interesting. What he in said, the world? Uh, "He said that I'm Wayne Campbell meets Orson Welles." Oh, oh that's cool. <laughs> that was great. Right. That was a good comparison. He All said, right, right. "He said Aubrey, pragmatist and probably secretly a Broadway director, macabre art gallery owner." Nice. I will never tell. <laughs> that sounds like an excellent career. You should get on that. And he said, "He said." <laughs> He said, Danielle, unfiltered rock scholar shaman with insights and hot takes till the demon cows come home. Aw. <laughs> that was <laughs> That cool. sounds like wow, you. Wow, yeah. what a sweetheart. You're a truly grateful listener from Canberra, Australia, Albert. So thank you so much. And a plug out to IAV Studio. Check out their YouTube channel and their podcast. What is up, you fantastically incomparable and insanely hardworking trio of Hellboy scholars and commentators? This is me, Albert, from IAV Studio, an art and entertainment analysis and discussion channel on YouTube, and this is my voicemail submission if you decide to feature it. Very, very simple. Your favorite character, number one, each of you, and number two, after Hellboy, what would you love to see Mike Mignola do with his talents, as well as Joe Golem? What can you imagine him doing next? Take good care, and until next time, bye for now. Why don't you go ahead and just put yourself in a little box and ship yourself over here? Yeah, we could love you. Could use you over here a little bit more. <laughs> okay, so the first down? question was, who is your favorite character so far? Hmm, that's a tough one. That's really tough. You go first. Okay, so, I mean, I guess we're assuming we're talking about other than Hellboy. I guess, I think just anyone in general. You, can, uh, yeah. I, you know, to be honest, it's kind of like a toss-up between um, Abe and Daimyo and Liz. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, I could agree with you there. What, what do you think, Daniel? I mean, I would just end up naming Everybody. a bunch of characters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's I don't know if that's a question I can answer. I think it's something that requires context and... Long right, rants. You know, I really like Kate. I really like Abe. Maybe that just might be from uh, reading all these Abe stories lately. I don't want to say Hellboy because that seems like an <laughs> obvious one, right? But obviously, I have a lot of love for that character and reading through, oh, you yeah. know, the Wild Hunt and Storm and the Fury and all that stuff. But yeah, I'd like to see. You know how we saw those adventures of young Broom learning about the supernatural? I'd like to see some Kate stories like that. Sure. Like maybe. Oh, that would be awesome. Maybe she doesn't specifically encounter stuff, but like. 
I don't know. I think they could do some more with that character and we could see sure, like some maybe yeah. she used to be a professor at NYU and she ended up at the BPRD. Like how did that, happen, that happen? You know? Yeah. I mean, like she and Hellboy obviously have like, um, they, they, their friendship goes back. Right. Way back. Yeah, how did yeah. they meet? And yeah. I'd like to see that. I like Lobster Johnson. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I like Lobster Liz. Johnson's... I like Vavara. I like all the uh, sorcerers and shit. Yeah. I, yeah. dig, I dig all the <gasps> demons, like the weird demon shit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I would just end up naming a whole bunch of characters, yeah, really? <laughs> honestly. Like it's... He also asked, what would you like to see Mignola do next? Is there, like, what else? Whatever so... that man wants to do. <laughs> see, I, honestly, I can't answer that question. I'd agree with Danielle because, like, I could say, like, oh, I'd like to see him do X, Y, Z. But, in all honestly, I just would, you know, it's just... Whatever. I'm whatever, not smart or creative enough to come up yeah. with something as cool as fucking Hellboy. So who the fuck am I to tell yeah. him what his next creative endeavor should be? He's got paintings in the Met. Like, yeah, I mean, that, that's what I was going to say is that I, I, I don't know a lot about what Mignola's interests are, what he wants to do next. But I do know that he like took some time off to just like paint and go to painting classes and do just paint things. Well, he's back writing and stuff now. And yeah, like, but I would like to see something like on a museum level, like uh, like he's got a you lot know, of that. Do do an exhibit and have it go on tour, you oh, know, and and tour. he doesn't necessarily have to go on tour, but the exhibit could go right. on tour, you know, or put together curate something I to would show say, off. I would his, say you know. all of his work is museum quality, but yeah, you're saying yeah. something specifically for. Yeah, like a maybe show. not maybe not something necessarily about Hellboy or For anything exhibit. like that. Just like something that he wants to do that is a artistic piece that is an artistic just kind of expression of itself and I, was, I would say his Hellboy stuff is an excellent represent, representation of his artistic expression. He's got a lot of he's got a lot of excellent pieces right. that are that stand alone. I, I've yeah, seen. but I would like to. I mean, whether it would be Hellboy related or not, or you I would just think be that satisfied with anything. I, I, yeah, I okay. think that it would be cool to see something like that and see it more embraced as the art that it truly is. Right, instead the of, high in, art in, that it is. Instead of uh, you know, people might just consider it to be comic book art, yeah. or something like that. And well, I, I think, think that, that the it's lines a, really blur for us because we do respect it as yeah. art, and I I think that just because it's sequential art. Doesn't necessarily mean. I mean, there have been pages in here that have been so something that I think belong in a fucking museum. Right. We talked about that, the double splash page. Yeah, in King of Fears. Yeah, that's the one man. You're talking about? Yeah. And so I think, uh, but yeah, whatever he wants to do, I agree with you there. I think that well, as patrons of his, we would love to see anything that he does. Well, I mean, it's just like you know. I mean, if I think about it, like you know, I mean, if I start thinking, oh, I'd like to see him do whatever, and then all of a sudden I get like expectations like oh my god but what if you did this and then what if you did that right and it's just like and then he comes out and he does something that's completely different and i'm all like oh well i guess i'm disappointed and i'm gonna bitch about it on the internet yeah Yeah. there's a lot of people like that so and it comes back to like something like you said a couple of podcasts back when people are have expectations and they don't in the and whatever comes out doesn't fit their expectations right. they get upset and i think about that a lot lately when, you know when you keep that wide mm-hmm. open yeah you leave yourself open to have more unique experiences and yeah. to really be, be able to appreciate something that you never would have yeah that, that was a good question and I, and I like that if anybody wants to send in a little you know asking a quick little question make it something really quick you know um i think that that's cool too to insert a little clip of that so that was fun thanks albert yeah thanks so much for that yeah good to hear from you cool thanks book club 
member. Book club member. Book club okay. member. And make sure to go by and check out Mignolaverse.com. This week they had a great article on the Wolves of St. August, which is one of our favorite yeah. stories. Yeah. Awesome. Remake the Last Jedi remake on Twitter. <laughs> oh, they man. told us, we are impressed with the amount of research you all do. How about coming on board as our official researchers for the remake of the remake that will never happen? Should be a breeze. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> I could be like, okay, so I just watched uh, the original. I think you should do that. <laughs> <laughs> I did a little bit of research for them. I found out that Wait, there are... Wait, you did? Yeah, there's 416,000 pledged for this remake of which there has been zero progress on. Uh-huh. So we'll see how long it stays like that. Did you guys happen to see... Um, Somebody redid the original Darth Vader Obi Wan battle. Oh, that was really good. Yeah, that was really cool. I thought it was cool, but then also I thought, why? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you, yeah, the original lightsaber duel is a little tame compared to the original to the rest. But we need an right. after credits scene where Nick Fury recruits somebody <laughs> for Shield or something. Um, I want to. I want to bet on uh, R two and three PO. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You know that somebody's already cut it into like one of these versions of A New Hope, though, already, right? Oh, probably. Yeah. Maybe it was just too much of the Uncanny Valley that <laughs> bothered me about it. Do they show the Obi-Wan's face a lot? You can see that it's not Alec Guinness, or is it all from the back, or what? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At Earth Stellium on Twitter said, haven't been able to sit down and listen in weeks, but I'm excited to go through the backlog of Hellboy Book Club episodes. I have pending while painting and spellcasting this afternoon. And they were also impressed by our research, and they said that it really pays off. So thank you so much. I want to also ask you to send us reviews if you enjoy the show. You know, everything that we do on the show is free. We really enjoy getting feedback from our listeners, so send us some reviews out there. Go to your iTunes app or on any of the social medias. And remember, you can follow us on all of our social medias on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All you have to do is comment on our posts and you're part of the discussion. We're kind of back on track this week talking about BPRD. We're getting back with kind of the main storyline. And so maybe we have some listeners that are jumping back on board. And so I thought they might want to know what the show's about. Oh, the show. (laughs) The show is where we, it's a book club. And we're friends and we're reading about Hellboy and talking to our friends about it. So we... We read it, story. We're going to tell you what to read. And then you read it, and then we all talk about it. And then it back to you, John. <laughs> and I also want to mention it was Danielle's birthday. Hi. Happy birthday, Danielle. Yeah, it was Danielle's birthday. Oh. And also one of our good listeners, Ryan Yule. He had the same birthday as you. Hey, happy hey, birthday, happy birthday. Yeah, Ryan so Yule, book club Ryan. member. Yeah, book club member birthdays. And now we're going to go on to some listener feedback. We got a Hey You Damn Guys from Matt Strackbine. Hey, hey Matt Strackbine. Book Club member. <laughs> Witchcraft and demonology is exactly what I love about the limitless potential of comics. Yeah. Anyone can get on this, and you can do almost anything when it comes to storytelling. Yeah. Not only is this issue a great example of that, but it's probably the most hardcore single issue I've ever read. <laughs> the art is as beautiful as it is disturbing. I loved it, and it's one of the reasons I love the Abe Sapien series as a whole. I can't wait until you damn guys read more of this stuff. 
This particular issue was a departure from the main storyline, and I love that they changed the art and overall style for it. Right, so this issue, you know, there's an Abe Sapien series in the future, spoiler, right? And there's like the there's like that little storyline, and then in the middle they'll drop in issues like this, like that Kevin Nolan Ogopogo that was one that they kind of just dropped right. in the middle. Yeah. And this is one of them too, where they're kind of outside of the continuity. So it, it, that's one thing that was cool about reading that series as it was coming out is every once in a while, you'd get like these flashback episodes, you know, like that episode where you saw Roger. Yes. That was one of them. Right. Uh, Matt also said funny. I once left the issue sitting out on my coffee table and my wife picked it up. She's not a comic book reader, but she will occasionally check out the art. I'll never forget the look on her face when she asked me, do you read a lot of comics like this? (laughs) (laughs) I said, no, I don't think I have a strong enough constitution for more than one of those. But if you want to read something just as cool and demonic as this one, check out Scott Alley's original series, The Devil's Footprints, with art by Paul Lee, Brian Horton, and Dave Stewart. It's an amazingly creepy comic worth a read. Great episode, and thanks for the shout-out. So, yeah, always great to hear from you, Matt. Always. Yeah, and that's... I will just chime in briefly to say that's it's kind of a, a strong one to come in on. Yeah. That's really? sort of a... <laughs> to just pick up. To off just the, come straight hmm, into what's that. What's Abe all about? It's a little extreme, so I do, I do understand where, where she's coming from. You would have to be like, no, wait, it's actually part of this yeah, you have beautiful... To- <laughs> It's very amazing, like, tempered <laughs> world. This just happens to be the one that you picked up that's really fucked up. Well, yeah. there's a lot that are really fucked up, but it comes of from a very them, beautiful right? yeah. place. Like, the initial, <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway, I, think it's funny I just am picturing that. Sorry. I think it's funny how you said spoilers for Abe Sapien future comics. I'm sitting there looking at the three trades. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <sighs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, and always uh, you can check out Matt Strackbine at the Letterhack podcast. We also heard from Jan Niklas. Jan Niklas. Hey. Book club member. Yeah. <laughs> he says, important thing first, I caught the mouse. Oh. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> at one o'clock in the evening, four hours before I had to get up for a job meeting for a job I didn't get. Oh. But the mouse is oh. safe and healthy. Yay. Yeah. And he also says, regarding witchcraft and demonology, and Strobel was German too, I guess all evil Hyperboreans settled around this area. Mm. Otherwise, there's no explanation why half of the Hellboy universe, Germany, consists of villains. Just shows that all the evil can be traced back to that country. Lesson to learn, kids. Don't trust Germans. Don't speak with them. Eat their food. Or try to have a good day with them. Or marry them. They just turn evil. Rip your heart out and use it for occult rituals. And German only consists of the Bavarian Free State and its cities Munich and Augsburg. Maybe Berlin. Those are the only ones that they ever (laughs) reference in the comic. (laughs) But that's no name land. I know what I'm talking about. I'm one of those mustache-twirling occultists myself. Sadly, not as well-paid as I used to be. I should have stuck to brewing overrated beer and building terrible cars. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Rough. But one one thing I was thinking about is... Well, Broom says that he, Strobel took that name. Yeah. Though, like, that wasn't his real name. Right. So we don't really know what he, you know what actually. I mean? Actually, what his yeah. real name was or where he, if he was actually German or not. Wait, was, didn't he say he took that name from the original Strobel? Something like that, right. So, but I mean, wasn't he the, just the original oh, Strobel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I don't know. No, I mean, that's to, how I took the story. I mean, go ahead. Oh, to come off the what he was... Because, again, 
We're stupid Americans. Yeah. We don't know anything. But I, you know, have heard or read that Germany now has some of the strongest anti-fascism laws oh, yeah. going on. So that's, you know, another thing I have heard about Germany. Yeah. I guess it. I, I hope that it is true, so, yeah, no, but I and assume I, and it's I, true. And, and, and I think all that that he was saying was right. being very sarcastic. And, no, of course. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That, no, but that's I think it's in the spirit of like, everyone always portrays Germans yes. as just this small thing. And it's like, yeah, that is, I, I do see a lot of that. You know, hopefully uh, that will kind of start to morph and change the more people learn about the awesome things that Germany is yeah, doing. So hopefully true. that is real. I actually watched a couple of videos on surprisingly on germany this week on completely random things interesting (laughs) i wish i knew more about that so hey maybe you've prompted us to do a little research about the current state of germany culture and politics he also said that he googled the name after a talk with my sister we came to the conclusion that it sounds vaguely austrian and wouldn't you know a village with the same name exists and we have a politician from southern germany who has the same last name and he's a conservative, so basically evil. Yeah. Truth in comics, indeed. Hear you next week. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I always enjoy hearing from Jenny Klaus. Thank you, man. We also heard from Ross Radke. We haven't heard from Ross, Ross in a while. Ross Radke. Yeah. Make sure to follow him on Instagram and Twitter. He said, I forgot how awesome the art. Ross on... Radke, what is he, Aubrey? He's a book club member. He's a book club member. <laughs> That's right. Also, he's got really good art on his Instagram. You should definitely follow oh, yeah. him. Yes. And he said, I forgot how awesome the art was on some of these Abe standalone stories. I'm a huge fan of the Fumara brothers and excited to get to their stuff. So, yeah, we'll see more Fumara art as we get to that series. Wes Mattis also said that this was one of his favorite stories of the Mignolaverse. When I posted about the demons featured in witchcraft and demonology, Nathaniel Green said, I have an uneasy fascination with these sigils. They're in the Book of Solomon, right? What is that? The Lesser Key of Solomon? Yeah, I don't know exactly which sigils he's referring to. The ones for Urobas and Marbas. The ones that I always share on oh, social right, right, right. media. Yeah, I have to assume that they'd be in the... But that it was said that it was from the Goet- Goetica? Oh, yeah, the Ars so, Goetica. Yeah. Yeah, but he said it was super creepy and he loved it. Yes, and Eddie White said that he thought the secret school angle was really scary. That was like the that was really creepy part. Oh yeah, yeah that really super was. good. Regarding they could make a whole show out of that. Scene. I yeah. know. That's yeah, cool. yeah. Regarding the abyssal plane, Jerry Turnbull said the mummy in the case is Raskar Kapak from the Tintin book, The Seven Crystal Balls. Huh. Snyberg must be a fan. And I thought we saw that same mummy in Into the Silent Sea. Remember okay. we talked about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if that was the same thing or not. Because I just thought it was a reference to Into the Silent Sea. But they said, and so they even shared, uh, Jerry even shared a, a picture of the original art from Herja. I saw what he posted and I was like, wow. Like spot on. <laughs> yeah, it was exact. And uh, Mark Tweedo also pointed out the same thing. He gave us some feedback on Twitter. He said to also take note of that spaceship-looking thing in the background. We may see that again. Ooh. He said yeah, cool. that, that uh, Mignola has mentioned he wanted to do a one-shot miniseries about those Prussian vampires someday. That was from Land of the Dead, right? Where they were underwater, I guess. Yeah. Remember mm-hmm. we talked about uh-huh. that? He also said, witchcraft and demonology, that story is dense. There's so many little scattered details. It's one of those stories that's well worth a visit. Regarding The Devil Does Not Jest, Mark Tweedell said, Aubrey, the Tetsuo similarity you noticed is rather appropriate. Kashiro Otomo is the key influence of James Heron's work. That is super awesome. Yeah. Oh, you and called it. it. 
And he also told you to, he also said awesome news about you quitting smoking. He said to stick with it. Thank you. Thank so you. how's that coming along? You're doing all right? 19 days as of today. Awesome, man. Proud of you. It's awesome. Thank you. But yeah, no, I mean, uh, if you guys haven't ever actually checked out the original art from the manga, Akira, uh, right. you should definitely check it out. Atomo also directed the movie Akira. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. And Akira invented three new colors. Really? Yeah. That's really interesting. We should do an Akira special someday. (laughs) (laughs) At RebelScum666 said, Witchcraft and demonology blew my fucking mind. It reminded me of Hazan, a 1922 Swedish silent doc about witchcraft and demonology. Hey, you guys should check it out. It's on YouTube. So I put that as a documentary on YouTube. I just had it on for a couple minutes. It's a silent movie. It's a 1922 Swedish-Danish documentary-style silent horror film written by Benjamin Christensen. And it's based on Christensen's study of the Malus Maleficarum, a 15th-century German guide for inquisitors. Hazan, and I don't even know if I'm saying that right, is a study of how superstition and the misunderstanding of diseases and mental illnesses could lead to hysteria of the witch hunts. The film was made as a documentary, but contains dramatized sequences that are comparable to horror films. And so I found this on YouTube, and I put on a little bit of it. First of all, it's a silent film, so you have to pay attention to it, because you have to read the the whole thing. Right. But it was incredibly creepy, and I'm glad that I was watching it during the daytime, because otherwise, like, and I only watched a couple minutes of it. It was really, uh, yeah, it it was like watching a horror movie or something. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. When was it made? 1922. Oh, dude, this whole silent film 1922 those early films and those early special effects are just wild yeah crazy. yeah it was really interesting so yeah you can check that out on youtube some feedback on land of the dead regarding ape sapien versus camazots jerry turnbull said oh jerry so, turnbull. yeah book club member he said uh <laughs> regarding that splash page of ape sapien versus camazots by omin he said the opening scene to sword of storms is quite similar to this do you remember that? Mm. I was going to try and rewatch that opening before we recorded. I didn't get a chance to. The animated Sword of Storms. Uh, True Confession. I have not seen that movie in a long time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to go back and check that we'll out. have to watch it. He also said the albino vampire creature really reminded me of the Morlocks from the Time Machine. And he posted a cool. screen grab from the Time Machine movie. And yeah, it did look very similar to that white, long-haired, you know, kind oh, of yeah. hulking yeah. creature. Yeah. Heckboy666 said the devil does not... (laughs) That's the second 666 person that we had, Those are some good-ass handles. Rebel Scum. Rebel Scum, and this is Heckboy666. He said... The 666 Book Club members. There we go. He said uh, the devil does not just cover the number one cover, that weird, trippy, psychedelic... Love that cover. He said that's his favorite cover. When I posted about Abe being a badass in that issue, Jason Abaddon said, yes... Jason Abaddon. Jason Abaddon, member. <laughs> he said, yes, this is Abe Sapien. I only had two gripes with the first two Hellboy movies, but the big one is that Abe became Counselor Troy instead of this fishy action hero. It's like they decided to remake Predator but use Jackson Galaxy instead of Arnold. Each have their place, <laughs> but can't be swapped around. 
Yeah, so I thought that was that was uh right yeah because he, he in the movies he is kind of, well I'll go on to some of this I, other feedback. You know what? Actually, I was thinking about that just the other day. Like uh, I was thinking about the original movies and Abe Sapien, and I was just like he he didn't go around shooting people. He was like touchy feely on everything, being all psychic, which is cool. Right. And I like the character then, but I like badass action star Abe Sapien a little bit more. I completely right. forgot that angle. Right. That yeah. He had like a weird psychic angle going. Right. What was that? And he yeah. also wore like um, something over his gills sometimes. You remember? Yeah, I actually thought that was kind of cool That's with the cool. with the yeah. gill thing because oh, you could see wrong. the water going in there. I thought that was kind of a cool. Effect. Don't get me wrong, it was cool, but it was but, but it was different. Yeah. yeah. And Westman has said, "I love James Heron. He's so great. I'm happy to hear that you guys appreciate his art so well. It's awesome to see Abe portrayed as such a gritty hero. I totally agree with Jason Abaddon." And De Sequoia said, "Yes, I love me some solo Abe Sapien stories. He's a badass, not Niles Crane, lol. Because <laughs> he was voiced by Niles Crane, right? Yeah, that he was, was the in voice the, in, in the, the first, movie. Well, that's in not, the first one. That's not the actor's name." <laughs> I know, but David Hyde Pierce. <laughs> yeah, nobody played that screen. He did. He was also sideshow's Bob's brother. But they took yeah. some of that. They took some of that Niles Crane and put it in a. Sure, in the sure, movies. sure. Yeah. To be fair, he did go through a sweater-wearing phase. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I almost spit out my water. The, oh, shit, let's not awesome. forget the mustard V-neck. <laughs> how we? How quickly we fucking forget? Oh, we never forget. <laughs> but but you know and what? He has all is, those books. Well, and the He's other a thing I want to make sure to mention is which is cool to be. By the way, kids, you should read and have books. It's good to do. Yes, it is. And the other thing I want to mention is David Hyde Pierce was so cool he would not take credit for the movie Aww. because he was just providing the voice the and he voice, felt right. that Doug Jones was doing all the work, all the acting. Yeah. So um, which he, he did. He was do un- a, he was that's un- a lot of work. Yeah, he was uncredited, I believe, for the first movie. And then in the second movie, they let they actually let Doug let Jones him do use his voice. Voice, yeah. which I think is I'd, super cool. I'd heard that David Hyde Pierce said he wouldn't come back because he's like, no, you got the perfect person doing it already. Right. Yeah. yeah, what a stand-up guy. That's yeah. so nice. Walter One Three said he wished James Heron would do more Abe stuff, and Clayton Schofield at Sir Edward Gray said. Oh, man, this is when I knew that life as a BPRD Mignolaverse fan was going to be all right post-Guy Davis. <laughs> James Heron left a mark on these books that I will always gush over. A lot of good feedback. I'm glad that all the Abe stories were well-received. You know, we kind of derailed into that section for a little bit, but it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed going through that stuff. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I've been, I mean, Abe is like one of my uh, favorite characters. Yeah. So getting to get into his little solo stuff is pretty cool. It's good to have some more insight into that yeah. character. All right, and now we're going to go on to our book club discussion for the week. This week we're going to be talking about BPRD Hell on Earth Russia. This is a five-issue miniseries published from September 2011 to January 2012. The issues were published with covers by Dave Johnson, story by Mignola and Arcudi, illustrated by Tyler Crook. So remember we were introduced Yeah, we were introduced yeah. to Tyler Crook back when we discussed BPRD Hell on Earth Monsters. Colors by Dave Johnson, letters by Clem Robbins, and don't forget about Scott Alley. He had some writing duties on the last few episodes, but he acts as editor for most of the stories we've discussed, including this one. We just don't mention him every week, but he continues to be the editor. 
And I want to talk about this issue one cover. I love these covers by Dave Johnson. He's been killing it on these covers lately. Love this cover. And uh, in the background, we see that St. Basil's Cathedral, which we referenced last week in our Tetris conversation. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the Tetris castle. <laughs> uh, Imagine this this gigantic, <laughs> pe- like most unique piece of architecture. It's like this... So famous and gorgeous, and it's renowned world. It's like the eighth wonder of the fucking world. And someone's that's the Tetris castle. I think I'm probably the only person who said that. No, I, I imagine I hope, I a lot so. of people fucking say that, dude. Oh, because I, I was saying it was all sarcasm. That's the only place. Or not sarcasm, but um, that's the only thing yeah. I knew it from my entire childhood until I opened up a fucking history. Book. I was like, oh, is this an actual place? I just thought this was. So your comment is really making fun of yourself. Uh, yeah, well, and literally everyone who says that, yes. Um. Yeah. We're stupid Americans. It's just it's another in the long line of another segment I like to call "We're Stupid Fucking Americans," which brings me to my next point. Hey, Jan Nicholas, thanks for your feedback about all the German stereotypes we get in media. But do we have any Russian listeners who are reading BPRD Russia and looking at this and going, "What the fuck? Come on, come on!" (laughs) Yes, and I do kind of want to. If we have any, I, I wanted to address any kind of Russian listeners or anyone that maybe reads or speaks Russian because there's a lot of Russian on these covers. Right. And when I met Dave Johnson, I actually asked him about this. Right. And he said that he didn't remember what they said. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> cool. So if somebody cool. can tell me what they say, each cover has something different written. I would love to know what well, it says. And Wait. send us a hey you damn guys just in general of like, you know, if it's a, if it's a little rant in the vein of Jan Nicholas, we're totally yes, fine with that. And Get I would it totally out. Totally read it. <laughs> Get it out. We love to we'd love to put it out there for you for sure. One more thing I want to talk about this cover is talking about being stupid Americans. I'm do know a lot about G.I. Joe, and I just have to say that uh, Johan's costume kind of looks a little snake eyes going there oh, with a little bubble eyes. head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, this guy looks like M. Bison. <laughs> oh, he does. <laughs> so we open this story in Rampayadik. I don't know how to say that. Uh, I don't know if that's the correct way to say that, but it's also a fictional town. So um, it doesn't in matter. And we see this commander. He wears a protective suit and goes down this long industrial type elevator. And he's talking to a tech named Dima. And we get the idea that the tech's worried. He tells the commander, I trust you, but how am I to trust the devil? And he's got a little camera on his suit here. You can see. Yeah, he's wearing like this protective. And he's got cameras all over it. We can also see that the tech can see the commander through the cameras on the suit. And he's going through like some subway or maintenance tunnel, right? Or some, or I guess we find out later this is a coal mine. I mean, the uh, the elevator made me think of coal mine shafts, right? And, uh, but then also that kind of made me think: is it a secret bunker? Because you don't really have rooms like that down in the coal mine, <laughs> right? But when he starts going down, you can see that there's like oh, train there's tunnels. Tracks or yeah, something it looks like, like a classic yeah. coal mine. And after <laughs> I've never seen a coal mine, no idea what they look like. <laughs> and the commander, he finds a helmet. It looks like Donkey Kong to me. Is it, is that what you think of? Yeah, I would I would think like more Indiana Jones. Is Indiana that a coal Jones, mine yeah, okay. absolutely. And the commander, Donkey he King. he finds a he <laughs> he finds this helmet. And Dima asks, are there any other signs of our men? So now we know that there's a bunch of men that are like lost down there or something. They've gone missing. Yeah, it's super gross. And then we turn the page and it's all this creepy, swirly mass of faces. I was calling it a face hole when I read face. it. <laughs> <laughs> it like a face hole. Yeah, but so it just looks like there's people melted all into the wall. It's kind of like this green sludge of just 
slimy, but it also looks like there's like 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 little mushrooms growing in there. Oh right, yeah. So yeah. some sort of like fungus thing. We've seen yeah. a lot of fungus related stuff in uh, in these stories, and we know when we see the fungus in the creepy, scary place, it's gonna be bad. It's not good. Yeah. Fungus is so villainized. I don't know why they got to do that to poor old fungus. <laughs> This face hole looks like Ursula's about to come out of here. Oh, shit. And give this guy a stern talking to. And make so, him a, make him an offer he cannot refuse. And Dima, he he's he calls to the commander to abort. But the commander's he's he's like still cool with it. He's like, Did you expect this would be a cheerful and easy operation? Anyway, you don't have rank here to declare an abort. And the commander says that this is what they've been preparing for. This guy's fucked. This guy's like, get out of there. He's like, you're not the boss of me. Right. I've seen something so incredibly creepy that I can't turn away. <laughs> yeah, he's dead. He's a dead man. And he makes this weird comment. He says, there hasn't been anyone so well prepared for did Mother Russia since the last czar. So that I thought that that was strange. And, and the tech thinks it's strange, too, that he says that. And this would be Nicholas II, who died in 1918. The, the last czars, you know, I mean, that was Rasputin's. Uh, nice. Um, oh, right. Cool. That was part of the. Yeah. Rom- yeah that's okay, the that's connection. connection. Thank you. That's Aubrey. the connection that we're that looking a, for. I thought that, that was a strange comment. Yeah. Thank you you're for totally helping right. our stupid asses with something that's very relevant to the story. I'm just like, why would he say that's so, so weird? But no, it's not weird at all. It's very relevant. Thank yes, you, Aubrey. That it, makes it book so club much member. better. Book club member. <laughs> I like their patches on their arm. That kind of looks like a like a Russian style of the BPRD. Yes, and I, I'm glad you caught that little detail. We'll see more of that later. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And so the commander, he's still talking to Dima, and he's like, "Do you feel it?" And he's like engulfed in light. And so on their end, like they can't see him either. And then their computer blows up. That's awesome. I thought that was crazy. And so, you know, something bad happened. That's like the X-Files called open, like, oh, shit. Yeah. Right. right. Yes. But I, I like it when, like, you know, you see something crazy happening to the guy and then the remote sensor blows up the computer. Right. Yeah. I mean, you see that, like, a lot of times, but I still like it. It's like, yeah. oh, shit, that evil's so bad. It travels through, like, <laughs> fucking radio transmissions. My favorite, blows up computers. It's my favorite thing when, when movie people per- like they treat us like we're the dumbest shits alive. That's my favorite movie ever. Seriously, no. All all of the campy like I love the guy who who's typing on the computer and he's I'm in. That moment for me is always like yes. Just this peak shit movie and I'm I'm just I love it. Well, we cut to this airplane and on board are Kate and Johan. Remember when Devin called Kate to tell her that Abe had been shot at the end of BPRD Hell on Earth Gods, she was on a video call with Bruno and she was telling him that she was going to be in Moscow next month. Right. It seems like Kate is arguing with Manning over Abe or or his status after he crashed and was declared brain dead at the end of that issue. Very fucking dark. Yeah, so that's what I guess they're talking about. I couldn't really... I was trying to figure out what it was. Oh, I mean, that's I assumed that's exactly what they were talking about. Yeah. After she gets off the phone, she asks Johan, you saw him before we left. Is it, is he really? Johan says he doesn't have a definite answer. I can only tell you what I felt, he says. There's still a soul inside A, but it's not active. It's not trying to communicate. It felt desperate to me. It felt trapped. And when I get that feeling, it usually means, Kate, I think we need to let him go. 
And I love this panel down here at the bottom where she's like, okay, okay, when we get back. Like, just that expression. Yeah. We talked about this last time, but Tyler Crook is really good at drawing expressions yes. on yes. human faces, I think. And that's, I was actually thinking that while I was reading this scene as well. So I yeah. have the same kind of mental notes about yeah. this scene is just how he draws people like they're real people. So it makes me a lot more invested in what's actually going on in the action, in the quiet moments, all of it. Like, it makes me more invested in the character just in general. Like you said, like the expressions are so it's storytelling right it's storytelling at its finest yeah. you want to, your empathetic response to what's happening is just it's so much more it really enriches the whole yeah thing so yeah absolutely shout out to you to know this art. um but i also like how like johan when he's like we need to let him go but he also says on your timeline of course Right. right, yeah, and yeah. it kind of touches her shoulder. I'm glad you mentioned that because sometimes when I'm looking at these pages, I try and imagine like if none of the word bubbles were there, and if they weren't, you yeah. would still get the gravity of the scene, exactly. even without it. Right. You would, you, you, I've said you get that myself. The sense of what, I agree. Yeah, yeah you get, you still get the sense of what he's saying. He's kind of reassuring her, you know, at some point or whatever. So yeah, and kind of like explain, like very gently explaining a yeah. thing, and she's kind of accepting it even yeah. though she's sad about it like you can definitely tell what's fucking going on and this the panels with abe here it's like we we know what they're talking about yeah. it sets the scene for the whole page i like when a page is like a microcosm of yeah. the story and like yeah. so then overall the whole story is well told yeah really well done and johan says he didn't want to say anything but he's like why did you bring me devon after all has some russian and Kate reveals that Devon's now undercover. He's trying to track Phoenix. And we see him riding on this train car. And he looks all like, um, you know, like all dirty and everything, right? Yeah. Well, he's, yeah, he's undercover. He's trying to be a, he's a, one of the hippie kids hopping right, trains. Yeah. Hopping some trains. And it's probably, it doesn't look like it's the best mission. But at this point, I'm not feeling very sympathetic about him. Maybe he should go on a crap mission. Yeah. And it's also not a mission that Johan could do. No. <laughs> well, hold on. You know, I mean, okay, this may be a crap mission, but he still shouldn't be on it because he let Phoenix um, shoot Abe. That so. is right, true. That right. Is but true. Do, yeah, Kate doesn't know any of it, anything oh, yeah. about that. Oh, right, 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 right. I know she doesn't know, but I know and. <laughs> just, just on a separate note branching off of what you said john can you imagine johan like all they give him a dirty sweatshirt and they put some dirt on his little right. face globe and they like they give him like a handkerchief and he's like hello in his like whatever german accent he's like hello fellow travelers and they're all just like what in the fuck Are you serious dude come on i'm just i'm just your average bad guy <laughs> yeah you're definitely not bprd right oh that would be good i want to see some fan art i want to see Johan that i'm trying to do that trying to be undercover after they get off the plane kate's kind of irritated that they aren't met with any chief or deputy of of their special science services yeah no i love <laughs> response to this she's like is there do we get an ambassador like right. what <laughs> come on and johan also notices that all these guys have flamethrowers yeah yeah so they're this like what very the heck odd. is going on and they get in the limo and they meet mattville their cheery driver he says director nikaiko is that how you would say that i don't know how these consonants are pronounced when they're together in this language, I've never taken Russian. He says that, that their director, he sends his regrets, but not to worry. He is cheery. I like his little uh, driving yeah. bus. That, he, that's a smart... He says, we get you to him fast. As they drive, Johan gets a sense that something's very wrong. And meanwhile, this guy is crossing the street and he starts having a real bad time. He's having right? a hard time. <laughs> He's having a really bad day. Well, his 
you know, lady friend is not she's not very sympathetic either. She's That's like, really you're embarrassing rude. me as That's he's so like mean. he's, he's like Suck falling up, down dude. and he's if, going into some like horrible condition. If you and I were walking condition. down the street <laughs> <laughs> If you and I were walking down the street and you suddenly collapsed right. after showing signs of being ill, I'd be like Oh, are you okay? Oh, oh, and calling like an ambulance or something. I wouldn't just be like, get up. That's oh, no, so well, rude. She was already being rude to me before I know. that happened. She's right. like, I promise you, old yeah, she's if very... you get me sick before mother comes, I'll torture you. <laughs> now, is. to be fair, if someone gets me sick, I do feel mad at them. <sighs> right. Because and... stay home. <laughs> yeah, stay home if you're sick. Good, good PSA right there. But if someone's collapsing... <laughs> Come on, man. At Although, that point, it's an emergency. Yes. Well, I mean, if he had stayed home, when she got back, she'd find a monster. In I her mean, house. that is that is very true. <laughs> and Johan exclaims, Madville, you need to pull over. Da die, hair cross, he says. Everything is fine. Flump. <laughs> and this giant Awful. deformed body falls on the car. This, like, lumpy man kind of deforming, getting bigger thing starts banging on the windshield and we see this identical vehicle, like another one of these security vehicles is pulling up next to it. He's also got a Tetsuo look going for him. Oh, right yeah, there. yeah. I like his response here to like, they're freaking out. And he's like, but, you know, uh, and the guy's like, yeah, don't worry. The Escalade is fireproof. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, Kate's like, fireproof? What? Yeah. what are you talking about? And so the other one that pulls up alongside, they roll down the window and there's a guy in there in a full mask yeah. and everything with the flamethrower. He just starts shooting flames at it. And, and then this giant lumpy body thing falls off of their car. I want to say. With a nice crunch. With a nice crunch. I want to say. uh with the flamethrower and the flames, I know we're you know we've gone on about how awesome uh, Tyler Crook's art is, but the it's so hard to draw someone shooting fire yeah. at another person. Like, way to go! Really good job with the shape of the fire, right? Because like, fire kind of does its own thing. Yeah. yeah, so that is that is really uh, the fact that you would be able to anticipate like what because we like I wouldn't know what this very specific thing would look like. Right. But I bet it would look something like that. Yes. So, and also to Dave Stewart for the colors. Also on that note, I, one page back where the guy jumps on the car and you see the city shot. Now it's got that kind of like mm. fisheye curve oh, to right. it. Yeah. It kind of gives it that that speed motion yeah. to it. You know that they're moving really fast. Hard agree. Yes. Yeah. Really cool. The perspective is that. shifted to make it the focal point more extreme. Really nice. Yeah, and I really like as they're driving away, you can kind of see in the back windshield, Johan and Kate turn around and see like the other car has stopped and they're just like flamethrowing him still, you know, and they're just watching it as they drive away. See, don't to worry, Mattville says. Oh, man. <laughs> they never My really board. Come, kind of come back to that, do they? No. No, they, they, they just leave it at that. And on this bottom panel, I'm pretty sure this is the Kremlin that they're approaching down here. Oh, jeez. And the Kremlin is a fortified complex in the center of Moscow. It is the best known of the Kremlins, which means Russian citadel, and includes five palaces, four cathedrals, and the enclosing Kremlin wall with Kremlin towers. In addition, within this complex is the Grand Kremlin Palace that was formerly the Tsar Moscow's residence. The complex now serves as the official residence of the President of the Russian Federation and as a museum. I like the word Kremlin. Yeah. It's fun to say. Inside they meet and Kate and Johan sit across from three other officials. The middle guy tells Kate that this type of incident they just witnessed are, is not common but not unknown. That is why they didn't meet with them. They didn't want a large BPRD presence. 
And so Kate says it makes sense, but she says that they've got serious issues there. They are thanked for coming, but this Russian woman, she says that she has doubts the BPRD will be helpful. And I also noticed she calls this guy Vasily. So if you remember on Abe Sapien, The Abyssal Plane, which we read last week, we met a very young Vasily. Is it Vasily or Vasily? I don't know. Okay. But he said <laughs> Russian uh, Vasily. Help us. But that guy, he was a very young guy, and he was excited to be joining this. He was hoping to see some supernatural stuff. And then he was the guy that they were sending down there to retrieve the Bergenet at the end of the story. So now, mm, now he's an yeah. old man, and he's got the you know, great temples and stuff like that. So I like that little detail. I didn't catch that at the time that I read this. Kate says she appreciates the honesty of this woman, but says what's happening here is part of a larger problem. Her precise response is this woman is being very, it's starting off on kind of a, it, it, no. a rude foot. It's a little harsh. And she's like, okay, that's, that's honest. And she's <laughs> continuing on. She's going to be a professional. Right. She's like, okay, that's not what I was expecting, but all right. And so, you know what I mean? But then, so we're already getting like a sense that Kate is a little bit right on edge about this just from the outset of like, and they just went through a, a very strange car ride and then to be met with this right. is like. Yeah. And so Johan tries to jump in. He goes, also, we have an excellent record of success. And then so this other guy, he mentions Daimyo and how he killed all these people. Well, it's and it's it's very blunt. Yes. Yeah. It's very blunt. And he's, Benjamin Daimyo kills dozens of BPRD men. Is this the kind of success that you mean? Yeah. And Kate's what just the, like, I love this panel right? where they just look at each other. I love this my favorite. That's my favorite panel right there. Fucking rude. And she's like, where are you getting this information? And they go, it's here on WikiLeaks. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, the woman is just rubbing salt, and then she goes, oh, are you serious? Like, come on. Right. You're all over the fucking internet, bitch. And he turns the laptop around to show her. Awful. And so WikiLeaks, this was an international nonprofit organization that publishes news leaks and classified media provided by anonymous sources. Its website, initiated in 2006 in Iceland by the organization Sunshine Press, claimed in 2016 to have released online 10 million documents documents in its first 10 years julian assange australian internet activist is generally described as its founder and director since september 2018 christian Haffison has served as its editor-in-chief and so uh, and that's a whole other thing right thing. julian assange was recently like arrested oh. i think he was finally arrested after being in ecuador and then there's all this other shit that has come out about him so e ecuadorian embassy in right London since 2012 that was a very timely reference at the time of this comic coming out it was like that had just kind of i uh, mean it's been still timely news. yeah it's, it's still timely wait when did this comic come out again 2011 uh uh -huh. This woman, she also mentions the events at the end of BPRD, The King of Fear. She's very smug. Yeah. Yeah, she got that, that smug look on her face yeah. and the way she's got her arms crossed. And she's very kind of happy to have this information over K2, it seems. What we are not seeing is where you, Agent Sherman, the powerful fire starter, when there she was during explosion or where now she is. And this pisses Kate off even more, right? She, okay, first of all, this is how it starts. With right. her. She's, okay. And then she kind of mocks how she talks, right? Oh, yeah. She kind of gets a little, she kind of gets a little, uh, puts on like the stereotype yeah. Russian accent, which is kind of uncharacteristic, right. I think, of Kate. But she's out of patience. She, she's And she's being confronted with, she's coming to the realization that they know everything. The library is open. Yeah. Right. Makes you wonder who leaked the information. Look at you, Devin. 
<laughs> Kate mentions that they don't know what caused any of those explosions and mentions how they averted the Ogdruham that were grown in those incubators that the Black Flame had. And we see Tyler Crook gets to do his version of yeah. those events, which I always enjoy. Man, That's that cool. was some pretty cool stuff. Kate's, I like the birds that are flying around, the monster here. It gives yeah. it a sense of scale, but also a sense of just like realness. That's a, I was actually going to mention that. Thank you for pointing that out. Because Kate mentions that each one of those could have been as big as the Salton Sea monster. Tyler Crook does some awesome monster work yeah. here. You look down at the little buildings. The little touches, yeah, like you were mentioning, Danielle. And the smoke, like little dust and smoke coming right. out of it. It's just really good. The whole planet would be crawling with those things, not just the U.S., Kate says. We all would have been wiped out months ago, Kate exclaims. That information was all there in that report, too. Or didn't you scroll down your laptop that far? Jeez. And she just stands up, right? Like she's going to get up and leave. And vastly, he tries to apologize. He says his colleague's English isn't very good. Their manners need work too, Kate says. You gave us the impression that you had a specific problem you wanted to consult with us about. I think their English is great. I think they're right. just saying rude stuff. <laughs> we came to help you when you ambush us with this espionage intel, and then they're interrupted by someone coming through the door behind them. So, so sorry to be late, the man says, and he's in this space-looking thing with a dome head. He's introduced as director. Here's this word again. What did we say? Nichaiko. It might be. It might be a hard case on. I really don't know. I wish I knew more about it. Well, it's good for us. He says, "No, no, no. Please call me Yosef." Ah. Right. So the guy. It, that's the guy from Abyssal Plane, and Abyssal Plane had come out about a, a little over a year prior, and I had totally forgotten about that story. It was a huge surprise for me. To, to It was kind of set up with our reading order with that being the episode last week. Yeah. But for me, I had no idea that this character was going to be coming back in some form. So, yeah. Yeah, really. So I wasn't really sure if it was until we actually find out for sure. But I was like, hey, another guy named Yosef. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of I know how to say that name. <laughs> right. Issue two opens up in Indonesia. And we see a helicopter that says Zinko. Ah, that's never good. That's it, like when you hear guys the, are around guy. again. <laughs> <laughs> that's like when you are watching a fucking Jurassic Park movie and you see a helicopter that says engine on it. You're like, this oh, is no, never yeah. good. <laughs> this is literally never a good thing. This is... Seriously, these guys are still around? I mean, right. <laughs> they've been involved in some fucking horrible shit. Who is investing these people? I mean, like, because I worked for like hedge funds and stuff like that. Right. They want. They don't seem to want to put their money in businesses that want to destroy the world. (laughs) There's these dark hedge funds out there. Right. I mean, I guess they are thinking that if I was in Zinco and I was trying to spin it in some way. I would say we figured out a way to communicate with these frogs. I would say the same shit that they were doing in the Black Flame and say we could communicate with these frogs and we're going to be able to take control of this thing. And imagine if we could be in control of these giant monsters. Imagine the the PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) (laughs) And then you got some guy up there. He's all like, and that's how we're going to make. $20 billion. You just need to put yourself in this iron suit, you know, like uh, you get a frog's soul and it lights this black flame around the top of it and you're good to go. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, all the investors are, you know, they're from like Subway and Wendy's and (laughs) from like Sprint and shit. So it's got to be the... How do we figure out how to make Ogdruham Happy Meal toys or something yeah, like that? Yeah, or, or like they're selling advertising space on the monster, uh, stuff like that. 
That would be great. And all so, the footage of the monster on the news is brought to you by right. Game of Thrones or whatever the fuck. Remember at the end of King of Fear, Indonesia and all these places were hit with these big tsunamis after all of this big right. explosion and fire and everything. And so we see this town is pretty wrecked. And there's a woman and she's with Marsden. Marsden is was uh, Mr. Pope's little sidekick in the Black Flame. And she's mentioning that she canceled all his obligations for the day for whatever this trip is. They approach this old building, and there are these Zinko guards. They tell Marsden what he's looking for is there, and you won't have to search for it. And they almost don't let the woman in either, but Marsden says she's okay. And they walk inside, and they see a Project Ragnarok flag. Yeah, more like a banner. Yeah, it is kind of one of those banners. They just look at it. She asks Marzin, what does it mean? And he says, it means it's time to go home. That's not an explanation. Yeah, it's not. What are these statues that are on either side of the... I don't know. I was checking them out. They're pretty badass. That is one detail. I'll have to look for that after the episode. It's like the Project Ragnarok guys came upon this temple, and they're like, yeah cool it was like a pre-existing yeah i love the aesthetics let me drop my banner right down the middle yeah (laughs) back at the kremlin yosef meets with kate and he says that he's a big fan of hers he's like read all her stuff and i like how he mentions he wishes she still got time to do research and write and stuff like that Mm. yeah he's especially excited to meet with johan and he says his condition was classified well i'm glad someone is still keeping secrets around here kate says and Yosef doesn't quite get it at first, but then he turns around and he looks at his agents. And I like how when he looks at him, you see Kate around the back of him, uh-huh. like with her head poking. And, and, uh, and then he goes over and he talks to them. And then he comes over and he talks to Kate, but he talks to her in German. Right, right? he doesn't want them to He doesn't yeah. want them to hear what he's saying. And he's like, I told them not to bring up the leaks. I told them this was supposed to be an open discussion, but these morons, they still think they're fighting the Cold War. So he orders Vasily to answer all of Kate's questions, tell her why she's there, and then he asks for a moment alone with Johan. We two have a lot to discuss. There may not be an opportunity later. And so Johan thinks this is a great idea. Obviously, they have like similar conditions, sure. right? They're both in kind of these containment suits. Right. Johan and Yosef walk down the hallway, and Yosef says he feels guilty. He hasn't contacted Johan previously, and says they're practically brothers. And he explains his origins to Johan. So yeah, if you weren't sure, this is where it would kind of tell you, right? We get a reference to Melchore's Bergenet, and we see Tyler Crook's version of Snyberg's art. Yeah, that was a... I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. And he mentions that nobody knows how he was resurrected, Now he's smarter and more ambitious than he was ever in his previous life. With his experience, success in the SSS was a given. How could they not appoint him director? And he tells Johan, you know what I'm talking about. It's the same kind of insight that you bring to the BPRD. And I wonder if Johan's thinking like, they don't treat me like that at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, not that he's been that great either, but I kind of feel like, does he stop in his tracks a little bit after he kind of makes that comment to him? Like, I feel like it's almost like they're comparing that Johan is not... They made this guy director immediately. Immediately, And Johan's like, wait. uh." What? (laughs) Because Johan basically has the same experience with the supernatural that Yosef does. More so, you could argue. Yosef calls him over to this giant locked security door, and they open it, 
and they see this man, right? What did you think of this weird uh, reveal here? I really like this aesthetically because at first you're like wait what is going on and then you i kind of focused in on what is on this man here and it just is i really immediately want to get into what this is about what right. are these weird sigil chains what is what is this yeah that's a good way to describe it sigil chains there's these kind of giant chains that have these sigils on them and these scientists are monitoring these guy he's obviously bound by these chains right I like um, the look on all of their faces, like when they walk in. They, saw, they all right. kind of like have just stopped and are looking at them, and they're all like, they have this look on their face of, what are you doing here? Right. Yeah. Good point. Back in Rampedic, we see three people, and they're like scavengers, I guess. They're sneaking into this fenced off area. And one of them says, well, this... It looks like they're sneaking into the fucking Chernobyl site. Right. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought. Too. Yeah. And so they say that uh, that fence is up for a reason. That reactor. But another one says, Sasha stayed here last year. He doesn't. He hasn't grown a third arm or anything. And he's like, all it's that... not hap- how that works. Right. And no, he goes, I was about to say this. He goes, all that, all that happened back in Yeltsin's time. So, because, you know, radioactivity doesn't last that long. It, Yeltsin was in the 90s, so... It does, it's been, though. <laughs> it does. And so, yeah, so just want to mention Boris Yeltsin. He acted as president of Russia for most of the 90s, so that's who he's referencing there. I guess we're thinking that in this Rampeadek, in this fictional Russian city, something similar to Chernobyl happened. Or something near, because they also talked about how the nearby towns, because the Chernobyl nuclear reactor site was actually in, like, the country near oh, a small okay. town it wasn't even yeah so, it was kind of, so, so the, this is like one of those towns maybe right so the town that was the most affected was like they evacuated that first and all this stuff so it's like the site itself is just fucked right but then the surrounding towns they're trying to like see like what's the perimeter going to be and all this stuff so yeah here it just looks like these kids are wandering into the site because they think they're going to have more privacy but it, they're going to get just fucking right cancer and radiation sickness yeah. But, I mean, this is the Hellboy world, so all kinds right. of crazy shit goes on. <laughs> yeah. And they go ahead and go over, and the first thing they encounter is all these empty graves. And then they see this skeleton. They're like, holy shit, look. And I love this page. There's no dialogue on this page. I just love how it's paced. So they see this <laughs> skeleton, this dead guy, pushing a wheelbarrow full of bricks. <laughs> the little wheel in it is squeaking yeah. the entire time as it's going on. I would love... <laughs> if this was a show, you can you can just hear like the calm, serene quietness of the country. Right. It's totally fucking quiet except just the whatever sounds he's making walking through the grass with this fucking wheelbarrow. Yeah. <laughs> with the wheel. The foley on this would be hilarious. Um <laughs> So the first thing I thought was did that dead guy dig up all the other dead guys? Right. And I was like, right. oh no, he's just pushing a wheelbarrow of bricks. <laughs> no, I feel Wait, like he's they pushing all... a wheelbarrow full of bricks? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> They all they all got up and started doing stuff. Yeah. Just regular stuff. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just saying, like... Oh, right. Yeah, that was yeah. your thought process. Yeah. Yeah. And the three scavengers, they run off. I also like the fact that, you know, it's an, it's a, this is a nice, interesting take on, like, zombie dead people. They're not like, yeah. going, uh, I'm going to go kill you. Right. No, I, he's like, I got a job to do. I'm, I got stuff to I'm do. working here. I'm working <laughs> here. <laughs> I'll get. I'll, I'll kill you on my, on my vacation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Back with Johan and Yosef. They approach the man being observed, and Yosef explains that the man was a powerful medium. And so this was that commander that we saw in the cold open, right? The mm-hmm. one that was going down there. Yeah. He fought against the possession, but it was hopeless. 
and many men were laws binding the commander in these runic chains. Ah. They thought he was possessed, but exorcisms haven't worked. They think it's a spirit of one of those Ogdru creatures. And Yosef mentions his team hasn't learned anything, and he calls them idiots. He's kind of shitty to them as he's talking about yeah, that's them. that's rude. We see this bald guy with the mustache. He's kind of making fun of him. And meanwhile, the man is begging for help. He's he's calling out to Johan to help him. And they have this awkward moment where Johan's like, I don't, uh. And Yosef comes around. He's like, don't listen to him, hair cross. And he just looks at the guy. And then he blows his head what? off. What in the what the shit? And then so that also sends a shockwave through all the computers and fries all their systems yeah. that they were working on. My God, are you crazy? Johan exclaims. Yosef says, no, I'm not insane. He was a monster. And one of the other team members comes over and starts yelling at Yosef as how dangerous that was and how he's ruined millions of rubles and equipment. But Yosef yells back and he orders everyone out. Herr Kraus, your bureau and my service, we kill horrors like this all the time, he tells Johan. But he seemed human, Yosef says. He was once. Not anymore. His soul died months ago. I did the only thing I could for him. He was beyond our help, but not beyond reach. Not anymore. And so Johan's like, is this what this is all about? You got me down here because of my talent? It's not the only reason, but yes, we asked you here for your help. We needed information about these things, right? And my sorry team of technicians and psychics, they were getting me nowhere. I see. You keep that man alive until I show up, then kill him in hopes that I might get you somewhere. That's very calculated, Johan says. You keep calling him a man, Yosef says, as if you think I'm a murderer. Raise his spirit then, see for yourself. And they have this beat where they just look at this dead guy standing there, and then Yosef's like, I'm sorry. I'm so desperate for competent help that I've lost all perspective. I won't pressure you. There are risks to you. We've seen that in the files. This isn't my decision, it's yours, and I should leave you alone to make it. And so he leaves Johan in there like, well, you can do this if you want, but I understand that it's chains. dangerous. And it's, it's so weird. It's so it's, yeah. it's such a weird. weird scene. And then when he goes out there, he sees all his team, and they're all huddled up, and they're talking shit, right, about whatever just happened. Well, they're probably grumpy, and I can't blame them. I wouldn't say they're talking shit. I'd say they're probably just... just... They're probably frustrated. It's a this hostile guy, work environment. Yeah. This guy's kind of a dick. <laughs> and he goes in there and he's like, is there collusion afoot? Please share the minutes of this meeting with me. And they're like, oh, we're just planning the carpool. They all disperse and they just kind of leave him there. There's this moment where he's just kind of left standing there at the bottom. I like how this scene is paced as well. Johan has a moment back with him. He has a moment to think over what to do. And he remembers how he lost control to creatures in the past, like that one that Shanshan fought. And we saw that in Born Again and Hell on Earth Gods. But Johan's like, I feel stronger now. And so he decides to go for it, right? Well, this is what the guy was hoping for. He's like, oh, well, if if I'm afraid, if I can't even do this, then then what am I? Right, yeah. And it's like, this is exactly, this is the reverse psychology that the guy was planning on. Oh, yeah. And so using his ectoplasm on the dead body, the commander appears to him. But Johan says, what he sees isn't what I feel. The human spirit is a thin layer. And so suddenly these like claws come out. They tear through the human face of the spirit. And Crook does a good job of showing how painful this is, right? Like that's one thing that's always very horrific to me about stuff like that is like the reactions of the people that this is happening to. You know what I mean? I like on the next page, he just starts 
shouting in this like this language right and breaking yeah. everything breaking all the piping he's just destroying all the inside of the lab it's really good and johan's just like uh not this yeah <laughs> and then we reveal that Joseph's watching him on this surveillance camera and oh, he's like come on johan show me what you can do it's very manipulative yeah right and chapter three has a very ominous looking Joseph on the cover we open on kate and she's meeting with those SSS officials. After their rocky start, they sit in silence. Ugh. So it's just kind of like all awkward. And she's like, so aren't you supposed to be answering some questions for me? And so this lady's already going to be like, well, you haven't asked anything or whatever, right? That's what she's about to say. But Vasily comes in and he says, you want to know why you're here, right? I'll tell you. So he tells Kate about all the stuff that's been going on. These dead people have been rising. People have been seeing them. But there haven't been any reports of violence. They've just been stealing building materials. So that's really odd. And then he also mentions that in this old abandoned city, that was the source of all these dead bodies. All these people were sent down there, but they were lost. And so that was that big tunnel of faces that we saw. I guess those were all the people that had been sent down there previously. And so finally, the president of the special services. So I guess this was the guy before Yosef. He was a psychic, Nicholas Verlotz. And so he went down there. He was very confident. But when he came back up, you know, and they show them the after the events of the cold open, they pull him back up. And when they pull off his helmet, he's all weird. Fucked up. He's all possessed or something. He's got like a crazy long tongue and he's got all the stuff growing on the side of his face. He's got the crazy eyes. (laughs) Kate says it sounds like a possession. So she's like, where's Verlotz now? And then we cut over to that's obviously what Johan's doing, right? And this Ogdraham spirit is huge, and it throws Johan backwards. Yeah, and (laughs) Johan gets up, but he kind of like gains his confidence a little bit. And he's like, no, you don't have power in this world anymore. You're just a ghost now. You're nothing. And so he's able to draw his ectoplasm back into the suit, leaving just this little wisp of Verlas. I like that, that all that's what's left is that thin layer from earlier. Yosef looks on. You are an impressive man, he says. Outside the lab, we can see that the techs are all wondering what that commotion was. Everything looks all wrecked from the outside. And Yosef comes up, and he pretends like he wasn't watching the whole thing. He's like, what's going on here? Right. I was just like, (laughs) well, why are you doing that? (laughs) And so he tears open the door, so we kind of see that he's got, like, super strength, too, in this containment suit. And so they call to Johan to see if he's all right. And he says, I'm quite well, Yosef. They normally give strength stats to Frankenstein's. Right, yeah. it's not surprising. And he says, and I have your answers. We cut to a convoy of military vehicles and we see Kate and the officials are being transported somewhere. And they're armored. And they all find out that they're both clueless to what's going on. Great, really just fucking super, Kate says. Agent Krauss is keeping you closed out too, eh? Well, we are all used to that. I'm not, Kate says. So they think that Johan's the director. It seems like that's I mean, what... It kind of, it kind of what it's portraying. It right, like, and that's know. the situation that they're in. And so Yosef, he was like, let me have a private word with Johan. But he really kind of pulled rank for him at that moment. This really sucks for Kate. And they have this beat where they're just kind of also, where she's just kind of sulking there. They ask Kate about the WikiLeaks files, that they don't really connect the dots. They ask about the incubators, and Kate explains that it goes back a lot farther than that. And we get a flashback to Tyler Crook doing his versions of Hellboy Seated Destruction, BPRD Plague of Frogs, The Black Flame, The Warning, and The King of Fear. And I really like how they 
really explain how all this stuff is connected. You know what I mean? Yeah. It all started with those frog monsters there, and then it led to the plague of frogs that Asadu him that was like kind of the fungus one. And then it turned into the black flame with his frogs, then those monster incubators, and now that's where we are, right? Yeah, really crazy. And so I like these moments where we kind of get to reflect and see how all this stuff is connected. Kate explains that each one of the millions of frogs could each turn into one of those things the size of skyscrapers. Think about that before you start blaming the Bureau for this nightmare we're living through, she says. As they go into Rampeadic, they see this odd, huge sculpture being built. And so this is what all the undead workers have been working on. Kate and Vasily talk, and Vasily says that they're going to the coal mine. And this is that area from earlier. Like another descent, Kate says, no way, no way. Ask your friend if he agrees, and they kind of point over. And we see Johan, he's <laughs> leading this team of soldiers, some and like, he's kind of at the front of it. Some like crack elite fucking like cobra from G.I. Joe level soldiers. Right, they're in the, all these kind of, they look kind of like Yosef's armor, but it's all black. They all have weapons. But I want to go back a little bit. This weird sculpture that they're making. This is kind of like um, the giant gore temple that they built in Plague of Frogs, right? Yeah. Where Kothahem was mm-hmm. but rose it's made out, out of right? rebar and cement, though. Right, yeah. I thought that was really interesting. So, like, so, they use whatever materials they have. It's or like if what. ants were yeah. people sized. Yeah. So I just want to point out this this van right here in front of the sculpture is giving me a lot of Mystery Machine vibes going on. <laughs> yeah. And a little Scooby-Doo action Kate's got on. the Scooby gang, the her own little Scooby gang here. Kate calls to Johan and Johan just says, don't worry, Kate, I will see you soon or I won't. <laughs> what the looks, fuck is that? It looks very <laughs> concerned, <Shit>. yeah. <laughs> and the, the expression that Tyler Crook gives Kate, it's almost like she, what the? <laughs> and Yosef comes along next to her. He's like, I'm sorry you weren't better informed. And he says it was Johan's idea. Well, He thought you would try and stop him. Yeah, he was right, Kate replies. And we see Johan. He's going down the elevator just like earlier. And Johan comes up to that really creepy area with all the faces. And one of the soldiers asks him if they are not men. And Johan explains that they are long dead. Even their spirits are gone. And as they walk past, one of the faces chomps its teeth. I thought that that was such a great little horror effect. It is. Um, It was very cinematic. And it was just all around just creepy for me, too. The way that Tyler Crick draws these faces, they're kind of like elongated and deformed, kind of. And uh, yeah. Kind of reminds me a little bit of um, Cody Shibi did a a drawing for us. Oh, yeah. Cody Shibi. I love him. He's got a great style. Where he drew all the faces on Freddy Krueger's yeah. body or whatever. Yeah. Or two yeah. of the faces. Yeah, yeah that's a <laughs> that's one of my favorite sketches of all time. But the kind of creepy, very detailed yeah. look of this reminds me a lot of um, Cody Shibi's style where he's very detailed. He's very... His attention to detail is... Yeah. So go check... And the, his brother... Lance Shibi. Yeah. Al- also an artist. Go check out the Shibis. Shibi brothers. Check them out. They're great. They are. And when we turn the page, oh, this face circle thing is getting all the soldiers. And so they start shooting at it. So it gets one of the guys really good. Face swamp. Number 12. <laughs> yeah. And this is just a great effect as all these faces come out. You knew it was going to happen well, yeah. at oh, some point, yeah. right? Great. You'd be disappointed if it didn't. It's a very Dungeons and Dragons scenario. And these other guys, they start shooting hydrofluoric acid at them. It's effective. Since they're in a coal mine, they can't use fire. And one of those guys didn't make it. We see him on the ground. Kirill, his uh, name is. 
And so Tyler Crook just does great over these pages as they're shooting at them and shooting them with the acid. Uh, Just some really awesome horror effects. You can see that the faces actually have skulls underneath. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that. It's really gross and awesome. I actually love the attention to detail that they're using acid and not fire because, yeah, coal will catch fire. There's that... uh, Abandoned coal mine, I think it's in Pennsylvania. Okay. It's been burning since like the 1950s. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, it's still burning today. Yeah. One of the soldiers, he mocks one of these guys. He thinks that he's crying over the over Kirill who died. The soldier says he's too weak for Spetsnaz. And that is the Russian military special ops. Like if it was in the United States, it would be like... Um, Navy SEALs? Yeah, something like that. And Johan's like, he's not crying. The acid, soak him now. And the guy turns around and he's all monstrified. I like the attention to detail of like, the mo- it's all out of control. Yeah. Control. Like the monster taking over this guy's body is all, and like just wildly firing around, which is even scarier. Yeah. I think to yeah. me. Especially since they just said like, it's dangerous to be firing down there. Yeah. Chapter four, and this is one of my favorite covers of all time. I love this cover. I love the style of it. I like Kate here with Yosef and all the soldiers. It's just really cool. And Aubrey, you mentioned that BPRD logo, their version of it. I guess it's the SSS version of the... It's their, got a torch. Right? Yeah, and it's it's kind of similar, right? It's got the hand. Cool. Instead yeah. of holding a sword hilt, it's holding a torch with the star behind it. I really like that. It's super cool. Yeah, it, it's, it is really neat. And... We've seen these guys before in like 1946, was it? The BPRD story? Yeah, we, we uh, have seen, but I don't think this? we saw their flag, right? Okay, and so maybe... Uh, okay, I'll say that because that's kind of spoiling for the ending. We open with Yosef. He's trying to make good with Kate, but she's not really in the mood for his weird fake friendly crap now. And she tries to storm off, but Yosef's like, he can't correct his mistake of keeping Kate in the dark if she doesn't stop and listen. And so she throws down the rifle, and she's like, fine, I'm listening. Not like I could really go anywhere. You guys have all the trucks. And I like this little tantrum. There's really nothing that she can do, you know what I mean? She's She already doesn't have powers, and so we've seen that affect her before. But here, like, she's not even, she can't even pull yeah. rank on anything. Right, and I like the way she throws that gun. Yeah. yeah, Tyler Crick does a good job with that. And Yosef lets Kate in on everything that's happened with Johan and Verlotz. Johan learned that when the Ogdrahem is large enough, it will nest in the structure that's being built. And we talked about how it's similar to the one that the frogs made in the Black Flame. And they have to kill the creature now. Kate asks how. This is specifically what Johan didn't want you to know, Yosef says. He's going to put a fucking nuke on it. Yeah. And she's like, what? Which is a proper reaction. Yeah. It's the only reaction. But Johan learned that he has nothing to fear. The creature can't take him over because it can't change him. It makes him the perfect assassin. And Kate asks about the soldiers. Doctor, they're Russian soldiers. They expect to die, Yosef says. I guess. Right, so we kind of see his mentality on all that. And we're going to see that with the soldiers, too. They kind of have a mentality of, like, we're just Mm, here to, you know what I mean? Yep. And we see the soldiers. They've got their work cut out for them. Below with Johan, they battle this muck monster guy. This monster work has been really good on this book so far. And they kill it, but then, like, another soldier gets taken over and starts shooting at them, right? Well, again, firing wildly because yeah. not in control of any of that at all. Yeah, so then it's like taking out other guys, and it's all really fucked up. This is going downhill real fast. And we see the captain gets injured. He takes his helmet off, and it looks like he's lost his leg, yeah. right? And he tells Johan that he has to kill the thing. 
and suddenly Johan's bubble helmet is shattered. And I really loved how Tyler Crook drew Amazing. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was really? so cool. Shocking. And it's got like little pock effect yeah. too. I love the er, everything about that panel is just really well done, and the, the pacing of it is really good too. It is shocking as you turn the page. You don't think about that, yeah, but obviously that could get shattered very easily. And it's so well drawn. Yeah, um, yeah, I was really impressed by that, that Although, moment. At this point, I'm sitting there because this is not the first time we've seen this shit get shattered. Well, no, but it's and still it's, very no, shocking. No, no, don't get me wrong; <laughs> it's still shocking. But it, one thing I was thinking was, really, you you haven't upgraded that some like bulletproof glass yet, <laughs> yeah, right? right. <laughs> and so his ectoplasm starts to come out, and all this stuff is getting really out of control. This one soldier is outnumbered. Don't let me end up that way. Kill me now, he says. But then here comes Johan. He's got Carol's dead body, right? And he's shooting with both guns. And he saves the guy. And the captain is there, too. And the captain explains what's going on to the other guy. Because he's like, what's, what's going on? He thinks that his dead friend has come back. Or and whatever. the other he's guy's like, like, we were debriefed about this. <laughs> he's a ghost. He's going to inhabit your dead friends. Move on. And right. I just feel like, okay, come on, though. Like, you can't expect someone to just take that in stride. Well, the well, captain, really. he's just there drinking in flask, too. Well, he's I mean, like... he just lost a leg. Yeah. And he's all like, fuck, soldier, man up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, don't you need some time to adjust? It takes a little getting used to, I imagine, Johan says. But yes, I'm Johan. Come, I don't think we have much time, he tells the other soldier. We're going to learn this guy's name is Pavel. Back up top, Yosef explains that Johan thinks they will have to battle up top too. If Johan can get through the first line of defense, it will have to call in reinforcements. And we're here to cut them off, Yosef tells Kate. And then we see the undead guys. They start charging at the SSS guys and Kate. Yeah, so this is setting us up. It kind of reminds me of the Black Goddess where you had this one thing going on inside right. the temple walls and yeah. then outside there was this battle going on. It kind of reminded me of that a little bit. That was so cool. That was one of the best things, right? That was the right? coolest, yeah. yeah. yeah it was, it was great. With Johan and the soldier, Pavel, they talk about Johan's powers. Is it Pavel or Pavel? What did I say before? No, I have no idea. I'm just... Yeah, I, I don't know <laughs> either. No, that's my ongoing... I torment you by <laughs> positing that it's pronounced differently. Anyway, continue. As Johan's telling him about his powers, he says, because Pavel's like, you can live forever. But Johan says, walking around inside other people's corpses is nothing like life. And Pavel, he starts to have a hard time. He's like, he needs to take his helmet off. He needs some air or whatever. And so he takes a breather and Johan enters. The, but as soon as he took his helmet off, I was like, this is this bad. Is, this is yeah, not good. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. Johan, he enters this space and there's like mushrooms all so over the cool. place. Right. That is the coolest. I would pay a visitor's fee to like see something like this. That is I'm so, so allergic cool. to things like my eyes itch, like just looking at this panel. Like, I'm just <laughs> You're not like, allergic uh, to any fungus, though. I probably am allergic to fungus. Yeah. We had fungus in that last house, and I was breaking out like crazy all you the had, time. No, mold spores. Isn't mold fungus? I'm sure there would be mold here, too. You eat mushrooms. Okay. But then there are other mushrooms that if you eat, you'll die. Like, yes, instantly. some are poisonous. That's different from an allergy. In any case, this is beautiful, and I would love to see something like that. Well, it actually didn't remind me of anything beautiful. It reminded me of Dr. Ice in the Dead eating those poops or whatever. That's eating exactly poop mushrooms what I was thinking, too. Look, fungi... <laughs> Are beautiful. But it, yes, they are. But it, that's what it reminded me of in terms of the story. It reminded me of, oh, remember last time we saw a fungus thing? There was some bad shit down right. there. There was like a flesh moth monster For or whatever. For me, it just always looks very breathtakingly beautiful and right. like a magical. and Yeah, and Johan finds it beautiful as well. 
And as he's looking at it, oh no, Pavel's become oh, a muck no, man. It's a, he's a muck man. And so he kills this body. He messes up this body that Johan was using. I like how he just says German. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all that he remembers is that he was a German. Yeah. I guess he's like losing his mind, but he still remembers some things. Johan's able to shoot that one, but not before it destroyed that body. So then here comes the spirit next to the captain. And I like this because he's like, he he can't see it. Right. He but he's like, something it. is there. I think must be you. I thought you might need me, but see, I am not fast enough dying for you. Here, I help. What in the fuck? And he puts the gun to his head. This is such what a fucking... Fuck? It kind of reminded me on... It it's always reminds me of other action movies. It reminded me kind of of Aliens, where mm. they stay to blow that grenade. Yeah. What are the two um, The two that have those Vasquez? And, and the, the lieutenant that had never been on a drop before. Right, right. And even more fucked up situation here is that he's like hey you want to use my body but i'm not dead yet i guess i'll kill myself right so you can use my body yeah that's pretty fucked up like it's it's crazy but it's like it's all for the mission they have to do this you know what i mean that monster is down there so there is like real banking on this gravity, being the yeah. most important mission that's pretty lo- you're betting a lot right yeah but I guess also, um, and we saw how the mentality of them too. That's why I was kind of mentioning earlier, um, Yosef and the and this captain. They all have, kind of have this mentality of like we're just here to die. Right. We're here to. It's all right if we die to get the mission done because that's what we're. That's what our job is. Back up top with Kate and Yosef, they shoot at the undead man. They just don't let up. Kate says, "I believe that's a good thing." The harder they fight up here, Yosef says, the easier it should be down there. And we cut to Johan. Now he's in the captain's body. And you can see he's using a rifle as a crutch since the captain only had one leg. And then we also see he has a wound on the side of his head. So we know the captain shot himself. And he encounters this immensely large Ogdruhem creature the scale is really incredible. Right. What did you think about this? Yeah. It is fucked up. Yeah. And so I like Tyler Crook's versions of these. I think he yeah. picks up the baton really well on drawing these giant otherworldly monsters with the tentacles and like all the veins and all that kind of stuff. Reminds me a little bit. And I'm not I'm not saying anything about, you know, the originality of the art because obviously art is it is what it is. Sometimes it reminds you of stuff. And I'm not saying that this is related anyway. But yeah. So disclaimer on that. This is. Original wonderful art that Tyler Crook did. Right. But it does somewhat remind me of, I don't know if y'all saw Starship Troopers. I was oh, yeah. actually thinking the same thing. It reminds it reminded me, me of, of the, the brain monster book. at the end. Yeah, yeah. Starship Troopers. The movie, movie, not the book, because yeah. I never read the book, and I understand it's very different from the movie, and the movie didn't have as much whatever, the subtlety or stuff. Right. Fucking love that movie. I'm sorry, I do. <laughs> I really I, fucking love it. I have read the book. Uh, Heinlein's one of my favorite writers. Oh, okay. Okay. But uh, I was actually thinking he does kind of look like a um, a better version of that brain book. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it also reminded me of those robots because it's supposed mm-hmm. to be like the robots are fusing with oh, the yeah. Ogdruhim, mm-hmm. and so this is like the ultimate version of that. Sure. Yeah. I like his weird language. Yeah, he tries to talk to Johan in the captain's body, and he's like, "You can't reach me anymore without any brain tissue to manipulate. You can't even slow me down." Well, and, and what and, what is that meme where he's like, even, uh, "Wait, even before this, it's <laughs> it's it's weird." alien looking sigils and then it kind of starts morphing into oh, syllables right. that are recognizable to us even, even if we can't that. yeah so it's very it's like trying harder to communicate yeah yeah it's interesting we talked about that a little bit with that one yeah. that talked real weird yeah the yeah. one that shanshan and fought. i get a sense of like it's not really maybe even 
it's like the we've talked about this before like how you perceive it with a lot of different faculties and how right we maybe don't even have the faculties necessary to perceive what it's like in a very lovecraftian kind of a way anyway right so but yeah so go moving on to what you were saying about you can't reach me anymore without brain tissue to manipulate you can't even slow me down that seems like so you didn't have brain tissue though when you were in the suit but when he was in the previous body i guess maybe it was fucking with him because he was in that other dude's body just a second ago right. carol right right, yeah. right 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 and so maybe that one it was fucking with he him. couldn't move as quickly that's what i got from it oh, is that maybe okay. it was slowing him down okay sure and then it starts trying to put the captain's body back together. Yeah. It like starts to like recreate his leg. And he's like, oh, you're going to fix me up a body. And I won't hurt you because that's what I want. And he's like, ha yes. Poor little Johan. Right. So I think he's kind of saying like that old me would have bought that. And it's trying to manipulate him psychologically, you're saying? Right. Yeah. Because that's kind of a little bit of a moment of growth for sure, him. Because sure. we yeah. saw how he would have, yeah, done quickly anything. he jumped to be at that body. So I don't know. That's how I took I was trying sure, to figure out course. how to take Absolutely. this comment. Character he's development, he's yeah. talking about himself in the third person. I'm like, why is he doing that unless he's referencing a previous version of himself? Well, it's also like, oh, this is your opinion of me. Poor little yes. Johan. Right. Yes. You've, got a, you've got an opinion of me and here's what I think of it go fuck yourself and it, so then he starts to put it together that's why pavel he was already under control it was learning about him and that means you know i'm gonna live forever and he looks right at it and then he puts the bomb down and he flicks it and he just starts running off and i like how as he runs off but it has to, no pants it has no pants on that's what kind of makes it i, I just like that little detail yeah, about it's that good. yeah it's also good in this moment where he's like giving it to the monster or whatever, sure. you know. Well, this is a weird thing that the monster's yelling in English. Yeah. No. Well, I guess a lot of languages have no as no, but Oh yeah. He's yelling right. in human right. language. Up top there's this giant I guess that's the nuclear explosion he's going fucking off shit underground, up. Yeah, right? He is. And we see the yeah. the temple that that recreation that they made is all shattered and falling apart. And all the undead guys, they drop to the ground. I just want to say, again, the radiation from something like this yeah. would absolutely destroy all of these people. Sure. And Yosef, he's like, get to the trucks immediately. The radiation's peaking right now, Y'all doctor. shouldn't have been anywhere near stay. that site. And so they get out of the thing and they start driving away. Well, and- actually, though, I mean, if it goes off underground as deep as a coal mine would be they would have some time to get away from the radiation oh no i mean they've tested it with like underground nukes Uh, okay wow i didn't know that i just for that detail i didn't know that no i figured the radiation would be able to penetrate and travel because what i've read about it is that it just absolutely fucking penetrates everything right well i mean it it will but you're saying like eventually it will yeah it's just a little bit slower because if it was detonated in the um, sure yeah well other than the the blast wave fucking them up (laughs) right right but if they were somehow to be able to survive that right again i it'd be the fallout you know yeah it reminds me again of like the chernobyl or fukushima incidents where like the anyway this has just been on my mind recently. So yeah. for, for this to be, it's very sure, relevant yeah. to me, immediately relevant to me because I've been... I love know, that when stuff lines up like yeah, that. Yeah, like synchronicity, I guess. It's kind of interesting. And Vasily exclaims, he did it, Dr. Corrigan. Your agent crosses a hero. And she's like, uh, I guess so. And then overhead, we see these two planes fly by and they drop all these missiles on it and it just blows up the whole structure. Kate's face. And she's like, Johan. She just exclaims, right? So it's just left on that. And yeah, her face as she uh, as she cries out. Executive she's... producer Chris Carter. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Chapter 5, we get another great Dave Johnson cover. In the truck, we pick up with Kate, and she's exclaiming, you know, what the hell are you guys doing? Johan's still down there. And they're like, he can't be physically harmed. And she's like, but he needs a containment suit to hold himself together. She's freaking out. She's freaking out. I feel so bad for her because no one's telling her anything. Right. And she's like, I would have requested a spare if I had known any of this stuff was going to happen, but I didn't know any of this. Yeah. She's like, weren't you all telling me that he leaves you out of the loop all the time? And they say the more reason to believe that there was some sort of contingency plan. Yeah, just you can't just believe this though. Like but but they're used to it. She would have liked to have been able to fucking plan for literally anything. But Vasily takes a second to try and logically explain this. He's like, look, Johan can take the place of the dead and there's tons of dead there now so he can you know hopefully find something until we can do you know figure out what else to do and kate's like but you know the bodies are highly radioactive we wouldn't be able to get near him and then they stop and she's like why are we stopping and so she gets out she's like now i can talk to your esteemed director vasily's like no it's not wise to approach him angry and she's like for christ's sakes vasily grow a pair and so she goes over, she sees Yosef from behind, and she starts yelling at him. She's like, who the hell do you think you are? Maybe your troops expect to die, but you can't treat Johan like toilet paper. I swear to God, I'm gonna... And he turns around, and that's Johan. And he's in a suit like Yosef's. He looks like that guy from uh, Space Ghost. Oh, yeah. He was kind of resembling that guy's him. name? It's gonna drive me crazy. Fuck. <laughs> it's that guy. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That guy from Space Ghost. Tell us who he is in the comments. And so Johan says, you have to calm yourself. I'm fine. Everything's fine. So what do you think of that reveal? It is a neat reveal. Uh, his suit kind of reminds me a little bit of the um, suit from the movie. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I thought yeah. this design was more in line with the Golden Army suit. I feel like they want to shake it up a little. They're like, we need an excuse to change his. We need some character development here. Yes. You know? It is a big part of his character development. We'll talk about Not that, that I'm a little bit more. Trying yeah. to sound disparaging, I think that's fine. I mean, it's great. You know, it's a story. Well, he's he's gone through this huge arc. Yeah, so people he's change kind and of, evolve, yeah. and that's they're showing that visually. You know, and I, um, you know, it's it's reminiscent of like you've been watching a TV show for eight or nine years, and you when you look at like season one or two right. of this character, you're like, oh man, I totally forgot they used to look like this at all. And you know, when you have like dark <clears throat> versions of whoever yeah. and how they change their whole look or whatever to be all evil and shit it's yeah anyway like willow from puppy well i know i was gonna say dark west too and so we go to the zinco we're at the zinco headquarters and we see marsden again and they're kind of getting ready for some meeting he's like are they already in there they go in there they start so here's the meeting we were talking about this a little bit and you notice the poster on the wall that says a better world man they probably are trying to pitch nazis are always saying shit like that though he's like thanks for making it so early but then this is a project we've been talking about for years isn't it and they're like, are you sure of the sign? And he's like, if you're asking me if the photographs I sent you were shopped, they were not. If you're questioning my interpretation, trust me. Had you been there with me, you'd have no doubts. And so these two figures in the back, they're like, Mr. Marsden, why should we not trust you? I love that he used the phrase shopped. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Marsden, why should we not trust you? It only makes perfect sense. This is the time of blood, riot, and <laughs> fire. Like, what? Who talks like that? And so these are, uh, this is... Two fucking yeah. nerds. Yeah, it's Kurtz and Cronin from the Project Ragnarok. <laughs> so we haven't seen these guys in a long time. We thought right. that they were blown up. At I thought the they end, were blown up. Yeah, at the end of, uh, what, what was doing? that? Conquer Worm, I think. 
Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing bringing these two weenies back? Now they're in line with Zinko, and so maybe, so that's probably how they've been brought back. And so back with Kate and Johan and Yosef, Kate's like, what are you doing in that thing? And Yosef kind of explains that it was Johan's decision not to discuss it with her first. I love the expression of Johan, like his hands. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's how you know immediately. I think that's such a smart move for this artist, for Tyler Crook to do. Like, how can I convey... That this thing that totally doesn't look like Johan or the image right. of Johan that the reader has. Yes. Immediately connect us the, with Johan yes. for the reader. Immediately the say, okay, I recognize this as Johan. Right away, I'm on board. I'm connected to this in a way that I recognize that gesture. Right. That's it. I love that. And Johan says that it's the truth. He didn't want to go through all the effort of trying to convince her and the bureaucracy of approval process for the new suit. He says, what is the expression? It's easier to beg for forgiveness than ask permission. Did I get that right? And she's like, how can you show that this is safe? And he's like, this is exactly what I mean. He's like, it's a containment suit. What more discussion does there need to be? We haven't examined the construction. Like she's trying to say like, I don't fucking trust these people. They have already shown us that we can't trust them. Right. And... Now you're in a thing that they built that we had no oversight over. It's a trap, dude. Like, come on. She was coming a mile away. Also, like, when Yosef starts to explain to Kate what's happened, she just, like, turns to me and goes, I wasn't talking to you. Oh, yeah. She's all like, fuck off. She takes Johan off to go talk to him. And that's the other thing that she says. She goes, you look so much like Yosef. And I think that's part of it, too. It's like, I think that she feels like she's losing him, too, to this other side now. Well, I think there's also something, too, following your intuition about something like, maybe, yeah, maybe she's on the surface she's like oh you look so much like this guy but inside she knows that there's something she should be bothered about right and this is this seems like foreshadowing i don't know if it is or not you've read it and i haven't right but it really seems like she's bringing something up that's a good fucking point he's like ah but the valves and the fingers and the joints you have no idea it makes me feel more like a person and she's just like yeah but you're not actually thinking so has he grown or is he still just thinking about like you know what i mean because she's thinking about Hey, what if they put something in there that's dangerous and we don't even know about it? Right. Well, secretly. I mean, I could see both of their points because at one hand, Kate is absolutely right. They could have put done something to the suit. And then Johan's also like, but it's just a suit. And I can understand him like, you know, the whole right. like wanting, you know, talks about having course, joints yeah. and he wants to, and he feels more human in that. But damn it, Johan, you need to be smarter. I Kate know. knows what she's <clears throat> fucking talking about. She always does. And he's like, yeah, I have knuckles. I've got shoulders. I have knees. And it's like, yeah. cool, dude. You're also probably opening, exposing yourself to something that is dangerous maybe because you right. have no idea what the fuck their intentions are i mean you know they could have i mean it could be anything from like a small bug right like where they can spy on them and, or you know fucking who knows if i can audio him gonna pop out sure. of your butt or something yeah right well and i think that there's another meaning i don't know i really like this panel i have knuckles now yeah and he's kind of making a fist you know what i mean like he just led an action team and went down there mm-hmm, yeah. and did the bomb and ran away and had the little quip and he's you he's know what the I mean. Action guy, yeah. I like think you that said. he's yeah. starting to uh, he he's starting to kind of assume that a little bit or he feels empowered. I think all this stuff with Yosef and Yosef is like, oh, surely they treated you the same way as me. Right. And he's like, no, that didn't yeah, happen to me. Exactly. I should be like that. Cool. You know what I mean? So I think that that's part of it too. And then the bullet going through his yeah previous containment suit. Maybe that you know there was a reason why Tyler Crook so lovingly rendered that because he wanted the emphasis to be on the reasons why Johan. That's that. yet another yeah. reason yeah. why he would want that. So that's interesting. Well, yeah, and then also um, 
talking about having the knuckles and he just went through this whole action movie uh plot line yeah um it also, you know, he still wants revenge on da- Daimyo. Yeah. And so now he's got like his... Now he's got another weapon. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, and Aubrey. it's just like, you know, he's got... he's like, I got knuckles now. I got knees and shoulders. And yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I won't so, go back to living in a bag. You don't yeah. understand what a difference it makes and all this. I love that panel. There's something about that. I don't know. It's almost... Um, a little childish, a little pouty, a little funny. Right. Where he's like, I won't go back to living in a bag. And he just walks yeah. off. He just storms <laughs> off. And I like that he refers to that suit as a bag. So many of the villains have called him have a Have called him that. Yeah. yeah. And he maybe looks more imposing. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And so and we've seen, we've seen that side of him before. So maybe he's trying to learn how to bring his need for that right. together with his acceptance of this. And maybe this suit is kind of a way to... Yeah bring those two ideas together and Kate doesn't trust it and is having a hard time getting around that that very good point that he's making. Yeah. So it's a very, you know Yeah. You know, I there are two sides to it. I would say, hey, maybe we could make you something similar. Right. We could we could really look into that. I'm sorry we haven't looked into that. We didn't really know sure. how much you wanted us to look into that. We've been preoccupied with Ogdruhem's coming out of the ground, destroying yeah. the world, and everything yeah. getting on fire. I'm trying not to say stuff is crazy as much. I heard that that was oh, not okay. a nice thing to say, so I'm trying to stop okay. myself from saying that. I'm sorry. So that, that's a good little scene. I always enjoy these character moments. We cut to northern New Mexico, and we see Devon. He's on his mission, and he's kind of made connections with this guy to get closer to Phoenix. And so this guy's like, you know, I'm not getting you any closer. This is it. You lose her again, and that's on you, not me. You aren't going to find me again. So that guy leaves. Why does his shirt say 99%? Yeah. Like will occupy. Right, right, right. Okay. Devon sees Phoenix. She's sitting there with, with the dog, too. Remember, she had yeah, that dog at the, right. in mm-hmm. the last story. And so one of her guys comes up, and they know. They call him Tiger Woods, right? They know who Devon is. She thinks that he's a Navy SEAL. Why does he wait? Why does he call him Tiger Woods? That's a little racist. Racist. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. Yeah, definitely is. Is this guy a fucking? He's gross. He's just a bad guy, and and Phoenix tells him to shut up. Yeah, he looks like a fucking idiot. And she's like, "So change your mind, Mister Navy SEAL. Want to talk to me after all?" Because. He just let her go, I guess, at the end of the last one, right? His response, he says, I'm not Navy. I don't know what you are, Phoenix says. I don't know why you bothered hunting me. I was coming for you. We cut back to the SSS headquarters in Moscow, and Kate's on a video call with Bruno. Poor Kate. And she's, she, yeah, she's venting about Johan. She's like walking around our headquarters inside some machine built by the Russians. And Bruno's taking the other side of it, too. He sees Johan's side. And I think that this is also kind of letting the audience, too, also see the other side of it if you weren't already thinking about that. Mm. And uh, they mention, like, the WikiLeaks shows them everything from before the UN Charter, but now after it. If there is really something, then they could maybe see it with this suit or whatever. So at one point, Kate says, Bruno, whose side are you on here? Because it sounds like he's advocating for Johan being in the suit and him liking and it. He's like, I'm just trying to talk this through with you. Yeah. There's not sides. It's just kind of a, you know. Yeah, he says, life isn't a war or a game or whatever you think it is. Forget all this. We're still on to meet in London, yes? And she's like, yep, I'm all packed. Just waiting on the okay from the NOAA and the ECAST for takeoff. And so, of course, I had to look these up. The NOAA is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and ECAST is the European Commercial Aviation Safety Team. Okay. 
Yosef comes up and to talk to Kate and she quickly closes her laptop. She's like, sorry, Bruno, I got to go. Yosef comes up and he's like, oh, I heard you're leaving us for a hotel room. And she's like, yes, near the airport. I'm waiting for clearance on a flight into Heathrow and I want to be ready to go right away. And so he's like, oh, it's very troubling what's happening in the United Kingdom because all that shit happened with Hellboy, right? It's kind of setting us back in the timeline, right? He says, so I understand you have some important reasons to go. And she's like, of course you understand. You read it on WikiLeaks, right? Jeez. (laughs) And so he comes over and he gives her this flash drive. And she's like, what is this? And he tells her it's a decryption program. He's uploaded all of their files onto the BPRD's protocol site. And she'll need that to look at it. And she's like, she's shocked. She's like, every file? And he's like, every word that was written down, doctor, yes. Have a safe trip and please send us your hotel bill. Mm. So he's trying to make amends here. And so maybe, you know, is that a sign of good faith? Or is it further manipulation? Right. Yeah, I mean, it could go either way. I mean, he really could just be bad at personal, like, communicate. You know, sure. right, say, yeah. You know, he could really just be, because you know, he is a dead guy that came back to life mm, after yeah. he sunk in a sub and all that. Or it could be manipulation. Right. Well, to take that side a little bit more, too, you know, they all take him as being in charge. He might have just taken that Johan was in charge. You right, know what I mean? Yeah. And it could be maybe be like a misunderstanding. or And then Johan was like, I don't want Kate to know any of this stuff. So who is he going to be to go, oh, well, now I'm going to... I just met this guy, Johan, who right. I greatly admire. And now I'm going to go back on what I said to him. So, you know. Wouldn't that have been in the WikiLeaks, though? Who's the one in charge? <laughs> maybe he didn't scroll down far enough on his computer. Uh, <laughs> good one, Aubrey. And so Kate, you know, her she gets another call and she gets a call. It's the UN guy. We haven't seen this little nerd in a while, right? <laughs> He's like, it's Agent Sapien. His heart beats on its own. And brainwave activity has resumed. Our doctors are all baffled. And she's like, He's alive. And he's like, Yes, doctor. Oh my God, that's amazing. That's great, Kate says. Yes, doctor, the UN guy says. There's just one thing. And we see Abe, and he's kind of like, how would you? He's kind of his his head has kind of enlarged, or yeah, he's kind of morphed a little bit into a different version than what we've seen of Abe. He's. It kind of reminds me of in the X Men when they change. They say, "Oh, you're you're still evolving further. Yeah, you're kind of still mutate. Your your mutant status, secondary mutation. Exactly. That's what I was going for thinking. Like new X Men and all that sort of thing. That's what it reminded me of. Well, do you remember at the end of uh, was it Plague of Frogs when um, Liz is seeing like kind of like the future and she sees this picture of Abe and he's a little different. Oh, Aubrey, you win the points today this week too. (laughs) Yeah. So she saw that photograph in there, and Abe had a different. Look. He just he, he had a different look, right? She's like, and she was like, "Well, what what's going on with Abe?" <laughs> I remember that freaking yeah. me out so bad. Yeah, and then also to kind of think about it a step further, you know, when there was that weird transformation where Call was approached by Abe and the Vision, and then he went into some kind of stasis. Mm-hmm. They put him in the tube, and then he evolved. Yeah, and then here he was kind of shot and put into some sort of stasis tube and now we see he's further evolving i wonder if the Mm. evolution is a survival mechanism right of like we have to change in order to survive sure so we get this last little scene here we see this guy going up a country road he's singing a little song to himself i I actually didn't look up what song this was i usually do that (laughs) we see this guy broken on the side of the road and so he calls this guy over and he says that it's his fuel pump and if he can get a lift. 
And so this guy's like, you're lucky. We, you know, few people take this road. Are you lost? And he goes, I'm just visiting a friend. We cut to this farmhouse and we see all these people having a meeting in there. And I thought these were the all the colleagues, all the lab people. Oh, yeah. See, because I mentioned that bald guy with the mustache and like, yeah, that's him, right? Like him. Yeah. And so these are all the people. Remember, Yosef was like, what are y'all conspiring out here? And they're like, uh, oh, we're just talking about the carpool. Well, I think this is all them meeting here. One of the guys is saying, are you quite sure you gave Lazar the right directions? Sorry, I went ahead and Googled it, the song. Oh, what is it? It's called The Magic of Podcast. BJ Thomas, another somebody done somebody wrong. Nice. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's the song. That is the thing. Thank you for that, Danielle. That sounds like the song that would be playing on a truck on a country yeah, road. Yeah, it does. Sure. That suits it very well. I'm glad we got to know that. Yeah, so this one guy, he says, are you quite sure you gave Lazar the right direction? So I think Lazar is the guy that's lost. That's the guy that we saw in the broken down thing. I would assume so. What are they drinking? Oh, I don't know what they're drinking, but you're right. They have a bottle and a bunch of shot glasses around. Having a good old time. <clears throat> Those are more like rocks glasses. Looks, looks cozy. And one of these guys, he says, why did you choose this old dump? All the way out here, it's impossible to find. And this one lady's like, it was my grandfather's house. Show some respect. And you all found it. And so they hear a knock at the door. They're like, finally. And they go up there. And it's the SSS soldiers, and they just start shooting all of them. Jeez. The one lady's like, please, please, I'll serve you. Yes. And she runs out, and then Yosef, come, here he comes out of the back, and he shoots her. This was very reminiscent to me of the opening scene in Inglorious Bastards. I was just about to say that, yeah. yeah. Uh, when, did, when did that come out? I don't remember. Oh, wait. Okay. Uh, it was in 2010. I remember it distinctly. Oh, so I wonder if this was like kind of a little tribute to that, or maybe hmm. Tyler Crook was influenced by that, or one of the writers. Or sometimes concurrent things yeah, happen all the Yeah, sometimes there's that the weird synchronicity yeah. where Absolutely. stuff just comes into the public consciousness. Yeah. But anyway, they, they go into there, and so Yosef is like, secrets. Secrets are not good. And so he, I guess, uh, he figured that they were all, they all had some other plan or they were doing something. I wish your friends had advised you better. I wish they'd seen a positive influence, Yosef says, like my friend. And so he takes out this vial with this green stuff in it, and he says, see this? He gave it to me. Something like holy water. More scientific, though. He pours this stuff on this guy, and he starts turning into one of those monsters all crazy like we saw those other guys that were going through the coal mine. Where That's the same thing that was happening to them. And then as they walk away, we see that they torch the place, too. So they just turned him into the into a monster just to do it. They were going to kill him anyway. I guess. That's fucked up, right? I mean, everything about this is fucked up. And Yosef walks out and he's like, look at that. Not one cloud. When I first came to the service, I was restricted to the sub-basement level. Six years and seven months before, they even let me up to the first floor. Did you know that? My God, what a day this is. So it's like, as all this terrible stuff is happening, he's just marveling at how beautiful of a day it yeah, is. he's a bad guy. And off in the distance, we see this guy, Lazar. He's watching. So this is a guy that was lost, and now he's seen that you know this shit has gone down where he was supposed to go. And here we get this last scene. We see Yosef walking into his office. Ah, hello, little one. I like to travel, but it's always nice to come back to you. I'm afraid I have some upsetting news, though, and I don't want you to be angry. And he says that all those doctors and professors, those were the ones that are in the lab, they're all dead. This means you'll be my guest for a while longer, I think. But who can say for sure, my little snowball? 
and we see Vavara. And she's in this little like... Like a display glass right? Case. And she seems like she's trapped in there. There's like a... There's all these different sigil. sigils and stones around it. Right, yeah. Stuff. So and it's a, like keeping her in there. Like a cross with maybe like a rosary on it? Right. And Yosef says, the future is an unimagined mystery. The end. And we see Vivar, she's just like scowling at him, right? Yeah. Pissed. Okay, so uh, what I was going to mention earlier about the SSS looking like the BPRD logo. Mm. When I saw this, I was like, maybe when she got back after Broom, she's like, hey guys, this is our new logo. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're right. Perfect. She does have an affinity for various human cultures. She loves Broom, too. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, Aubrey. I love that. Yeah, so... Great reveal, and again, uh, Mark Tweedell did a really good job of setting this up so we could all be like, oh, you know, this should happen. And, and, and not only Mark Tweedell, but obviously the writers and everybody set it up, but for the purposes of our reading order, that just worked out really nice to have the reveal of Yosef from the Abyssal Plane and then also Vivara from those 1940s stories. And yeah, wonder- maximum emotional impact. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm wondering what this um, blueprint is on the wall. Oh, yeah, it's for sure. It's kind of got a, um, almost like a helicarrier airship look. Yeah, oh. don't let us forget to talk about that for sure. Yes, Thanks, Aubrey, Aubrey, thank you. And so remember in Liz's vision, there was a giant plane crashed yeah. and it kind of looked like that. And there's like BPRD doesn't have any equipment like this. No, Everything is don't. awful. <laughs> continued wow so yeah that was a great story so what do you guys think about being back on the bprd and being back in our storyline kind of catch catching up with what's happening with abe and kate and the rest of the crew you know okay so sometimes i'm like when we were off on this um other journey reading all these like i guess stories that took place in the past i was like these are good stories but i'm kind of wondering how this all fits and now reading this and seeing Vivara and Yosef. Yeah. And oh, yeah, that. yeah. It's like, okay, now I get it. Now I see where right. everything fit yeah. in place, you know? Because now you can see that she's going to be part of the story going Has forward. Has so much impact yeah. and is very, yeah. Awesome, awesome. I love it. All right, so great episode. And we'll have more to talk about next week. Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody. Share your thoughts on BPRD, Hell on Earth, Russia. You can send us a Hey You Damn Guys at HellboyBookClub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. And you can find the Discord link on our Facebook page as well as the reading order. Also, be sure to check out our friends at Mignolaverse.com who is doing wonderful work over there. And always a thanks to Paul from Garderhorn for his lovely theme. Yeah. just love yeah and thank you albert for those really cool uh question and the intro it's nice to get a new intro we haven't had one in a while yeah Uh, again very soothing voice oh yes (laughs) you can find the podcast on podbean apple podcast spotify or wherever you get your podcast from next week we are going to be talking about the bprd hell on earth story an unmarked grave and we know it's a short story but we might have something special or we might or we might not so Hmm. (laughs) what what do you mean is it a surprise? Well. What is it? It'll be a surprise oh. if it's a surprise. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we just have to wait and see. Oh, man. So, you know what to do. Pull out the back issues, trades, omnibuses, digitals, the Hoopla app. Borrow it from your friend like I do sometimes. And join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club podcast. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. And I'm Danielle. And I'm Aubrey Lovelace saying, and now my watch is ended. What? What? <laughs> Game of Thrones. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. No, it's-